Cowboy Nation, and welcome into another episode of the Preview in the Pokes podcast. I'm your host, Josh Criswell. Got a lot of great stuff to get into today. Going to take a quick look back later in the show at last week's loss against New Mexico, as well as a look ahead at this Saturday's game against the San Jose State Spartans. Two teams that have been struggling as of late after early high hopes, and they're both just trying to get this thing back on track before this season's over. But without further ado, got a very special guest, Justin Allegri, voice of the San Jose State Spartans, joining the show. Justin, it's been a uh, an up and down past month or so for both of these programs, to say the least. But, you know, looking at the San Jose State side of things, what's the biggest thing that stood out to you, I guess, about the team since conference play got rolling? Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because we we were looking at Wyoming when they got off to that that hot start saying, "Oh gosh, that that matchup at the end of October, that's going to be a brutal one." And uh, it's not that the, the the Cowboys have been playing poorly, they just haven't been able to score. And so now I think the Spartans are seeing this as a game that's going to be a tough fought one. Uh for San Jose State, the the obvious thing you have to start with is the starting quarterback. Uh the Spartans knew that they had Nick Starkle coming back. They were very confident in his abilities and his way to distribute the football, throw downfield. I think they were very, very confident in what they had. Uh, and then you start the season and there's some inconsistencies in the wide receiving game, which I think the Spartans knew about coming into the season. And then Starkle goes down and, and you have this question mark of, well, gosh, who, who are they going to play now? Because Nick Nash had been converted to a wide receiver. They needed the depth there. They needed the help there. And now you have to have your former number two quarterback get, get some reps in again and then start. Um, I think we've seen a lot of differences in the way that the offense runs as a result of it. Nick Nash is more of a, a, a dual threat type of quarterback, whereas Starkle is more of that prototypical pocket passer and he can throw the deep ball. Nash is more of the short passes, uh, runs the football, runs that RPO, and, and it changes things a lot. And I think it took a couple of weeks to try and figure that out. The, the big problem, though, for the Spartans this year has been the turnovers. Uh, it, it's really been costly for San Jose State, and it's led to a lot of points off the turnover on the other side and, and a lot of defensive short fields for San Jose State. So if I had to pin two things, it would be the quarterback change, but certainly the turnovers. Yeah, one of the things that Wyoming coach Craig Bull mentioned is that as talented as Starkle is, Nick Nash kind of presents a very different element to the offense, to say the least. And for a Wyoming team, I think ranks number three in the country in pass defense. That might be a little bit of a recipe for trouble. Um, you know, looking at Nick Nash, obviously a really athletic guy moving over from receiver. But what's the biggest asset that he brings to the table for the Spartans? I think his ability to use his legs. He doesn't mind taking a hit. Um, and, and what that does is it, it helps your running backs in that RPO, whether you, you pull or you give to them, and it just leaves that little deception to the defense, right? Um, and, and the MO for, for Nash, and Nash came into the game last year as the number two quarterback when Starkle went down four plays into the game against San Diego State on the road and led the Spartans to a win. So it's not like he's an unproven quarterback. He just hasn't been the starter until this point. Um but I think the MO with him was that he, he isn't a deep downfield threat. He's been working on that. And I think we've seen him complete more and more passes deep downfield, but that's not the strength of his game. The strength of his game is those intermediate passes, short routes, getting it to the open receiver and then using his legs uh, and the ability that he has to run. I mean, he was the first Spartan quarterback since 2015 to run for a hundred yards last week first Spartan quarterback ever to run for 100 yards in a win. So that just kind of gives you an idea where we are in terms of the un, uh, unknown of, about that that side of things for a San Jose State quarterback. 
Um, but I, I definitely think the the dual threat ability uh, when you combine a guy like Derek Deese who can catch those short passes and, and get good chunk yardage out of those um, makes him really dangerous. You mentioned Derek Deese. You know, what, what is it about the Bay Area that just makes it seem like the Spartans continue to crank out these elite tight ends? Isn't it crazy? I mean, we, we, I was talking about that with my broadcast partner the other day because, you know, in, in 2012, when the Spartans went to the, the military bowl, they had that uh, double-digit win season. It was a guy named Ryan Otten. And then it went from Ryan Otten to a guy named Billy Freeman. And then it went from Billy Freeman to Josh Oliver. And, and now we're to Derek Deese. And it, it, it's been a lot of fun, I, I think. You know, it's not something that you really think about as, well, gosh, the Spartans are these really talented tight end recruiters, right? I think it's just happened that you get a couple of good, big bodied guys and you coach them up and they turn into these great players. Now, Derek Deese, he may have the best hands among that group that I was just mentioning. Uh, he runs good routes. He's, he's big. He'll take a hit. Um, he's got everything you want from a tight end and he's been really improving on the run blocking as well, uh, which is the side of the tight end that you don't really look for on film, but, uh, it makes a big difference in the run game. Uh, a lot of the, the success that the Spartans had last year in the run game was as a result of, of good offensive line play. And, and that includes the tight ends. Um, but Deese is a special player. I, I mean, he's, he's been the top target for a while and, He's not a wide receiver, but the Spartans use him like one. <laughs> no doubt. Going over the other side of the ball, the defensive front's one of the things that the Cowboys coaches have really talked about. Obviously have the reigning defensive player of the year, but also some other guys stepping up. You know, what's the biggest thing that you've seen from that side? And is there anyone that's maybe emerged as a little bit of a surprise contributor this season? Yeah, I think when you you talk about Cade Hall, who you mentioned that the defensive player of the year, he's kind of having a quiet season this year, um, which I don't know if anybody really expected. But I think a part of that is that the depth on the defensive line is so great that you can give him a couple of plays off and try and keep him fresh. And as a result, you're seeing other guys step up. Um, I think Viliami Fahoko, Junior Fahoko, uh, we call him, has had a great season. Uh, he was another player that last year kind of was overshadowed by the the numbers that Cade Hall was putting up. But a lot of Cade's success was as a result of stunts that they were running with Fahoko. And Cade was getting a lot of the tackles, a lot of the sacks, a lot of the tackles for loss. I think we're seeing a lot of that this year for 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 Fahoko is that he's he's kind of the beneficiary of a lot of the work that Cade's doing on the other side. Um, but to me, that the unique part about their defensive line, and I know there's been a couple of injuries there, I mean, there's nine guys on the defensive line that the Spartans will play uh, in and it will be three men out, three men on in, in any substitution. So I know that poses problems for offenses um, while the scheme may be similar. The personnel is different and each person has a different skill set. So that's a really challenging thing to look at, certainly with six different players. Uh, but I, I know the Spartans are at least playing eight right now. Um, so that's that's a unique part of the defensive line. And. Coach Derek Odom, the defensive coordinator, always prides himself on on changing the look. So you'll see sometimes three down linemen, sometimes four down linemen, sometimes nobody down in a three point stance. Uh, and it's all about that deception. I mean, we call the Spartan defense a, a base of a three, four, but you can look at it on film and say, I, I don't really see that, <laughs> you know, um, which which makes it a makes it a, a tough job to get ready for, I think. No doubt. Last one for you. Looking ahead to Saturday, what's going to be your key to a Spartans victory this weekend? 
Well, I, I think there's a lot of unknowns coming into this game. Obviously, the change in quarterback uh, for Wyoming is a big storyline for this one. Um, and, and what he'll bring to the table, I, I think the Cowboys are looking to just try and hold on to the football and not turn it over. I, I think that's a the number one thing you have to talk about in this game. It sounds elementary, but the Spartan turnover rate is high. The Cowboy turnover rate is high. Both teams given up a lot of points off those turnovers. Um, and you know, we, we can talk about the struggles of offense, but if they're not on the field that much because of turnovers, it's, it's going to be hard to score. Um, so I look, I look at what Williams is going to be able to do. And, you know, from our perspective, we've seen the numbers from Valaday the last couple of years, and we haven't seen him on the field against San Jose state. He's a dynamic player. Um, and I, and I hesitate. I'm hesitant to say that he's having a, a more down year this year because I don't want him to go off against San Jose State, but I think Cowboy fans are probably looking to see, well, where's the guy we've seen the last couple of years break out? Um, so how to limit him and and to identify what the strengths are of the, of the quarterback position and, and how they're going to run that is a big part of this game. And for San Jose State, I think they have to just hold on to the football. There, there were five fumbles last week from San Jose State. Uh, that's just not sustainable. Um, they have to figure out a way to, to hold on to the ball and and keep that offense on the field. The, the 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 primary things that have hurt the Spartans have been the turnovers, the penalties, and as a result, the time of possession has just been horrible for San Jose State. So um, it's a little bit easier at home, I would think, but it's still going to be a challenge. Every Mountain West Conference game this year is a challenge. No doubt. You just heard from Justin Allegri, voice of the San Jose State Spartans. Justin, really appreciate it. We'll see you out there on Saturday. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Now, as we do every week, going to close out the show with a quick look back as well as a look ahead as far as what's in store for the Pokes this weekend. Joined, as always, by David Graff, co-host of the YS Sports Podcast. Join me on previewing the Pokes from here on out. But you know, David, it's been a, uh, a rocky time for the Cowboys, to say the least, over the past month. But I, I don't want to say necessarily a sign of hope because we've seen this guy out there before, but at least a sign that Wyoming is going to try to do something different this weekend. And that start Levi Williams at quarterback. I, I, we got to start right there. I know there's a lot of things going on and we'll get to other parts of this team and what's happening with them in just a bit but got to start it out with the quarterback position Levi gets the starting nod on Tuesday recording this on Wednesday you know what's your overall thoughts just on the Cowboys making this decision to move forward with Levi at least for this week well I think that they didn't really have much of a choice honestly because you and I were in those post-game press conferences Levi Williams was letting it fly letting it fly after the game on Saturday. He was not holding anything back. And frankly, it was the kind of thing that, like you and I had discussed after the game, it's the kind of thing you normally don't do unless you don't think you're going to have to answer for it. And I'm sure he has had to answer for it, but it, it gave the coaching staff, I guess, no choice but to at least give him the starting position for the Saturday. And I think that, if there is any chance that Levi Williams is going to be a guy or the guy, we're going to see it on Saturday on the road at San Jose State. I just hope that there's no looking behind his shoulder. I hope that he's laser focused, locked in on whatever's happening on the field and 
is aware that hopefully it's his game to win or lose. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, like you mentioned, just not having to look over your shoulder. Hopefully that's the case. I think that was one of the biggest issues I think that a lot of people had problems with out there on Saturday is that you can't get in the rhythm as an offense whenever you don't know as a team who's going to be going out there and taking the snaps at quarterback. It's just really almost impossible to do, as Levi said in his postgame press conference. But I think the big thing is that If you go with Levi here, it's been a disastrous start to Mountain West play. But all of a sudden, if you can find some success here, you know, win out or maybe have one more loss the rest of the way, all of a sudden this takes a season that had been looking disastrous and all of a sudden there's hope moving forward, right? And not to say that Sean Chambers doesn't bring that because, I mean, his record as a starter speaks for itself. Before this three-game skid, I think he was 13-3 and as a starter for the Cowboys, but I think just with the way that the offense has struggled, you kind of have to make a change at that most important position simply for the fact that you got to, I guess, give yourself a chance to try something new. It's kind of like, uh, what does the old saying go? Insanity is the trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's kind of what we saw a little bit out there last week. And I think the biggest thing is that it's going to be a long road for the Cowboys to have any shot at even getting back in the conversation as far as a Mountain West title game appearance goes. Some crazy things can fall their way and it can still happen. But I think you win a couple games, you get bowl eligible, you finish this thing strong with Levi at quarterback, and all of a sudden it kind of injects hope into a situation that's looked pretty hopeless for the past month. This season is eerie to me. It has a ton of parallels to the 2018 season, which which Sean Chambers was a big part of that season. He came in at the end of that year for the last four games, burst onto the scene, kind of became the guy to Wyoming and the fans, and he won the last four games to get the Pokes to bowl eligibility. Obviously, you're not guaranteed if you're in the group of five for a bowl game if you have six wins. So you still got to win four games in this situation if you're – or three games if you're Levi in this situation, get the team to seven and five, maybe even better if you want to reach that, that bowl game, which is often a marker of a successful season. And I, I think that Levi has the tools to do it. I think he has the confidence to do it. I honestly – I came away giddy after that press conference – from Levi last Saturday. I know that we were joking because he just, I mean, he left it, left it all out there, but honestly it was one of those things where he either left it all out there and he was going to do what was best for him or the, t- or the coaching staff would finally realize that the best thing for this team was him. And I think it is. I'm excited to see him play. I thought it was really interesting when we were doing our stories last Saturday, I realized that Levi's thrown seven passes in the last two games. And Sean Chambers has thrown exactly 23 passes in their last two games. What are the odds of that? Pretty crazy. It's, it's, uh, and you brought up a good point. I think it was almost a little bit refreshing hearing Levi just kind of let loose and not hold back in the press conference. Cause that's one of the things that's as someone that, covers the team I imagine frustrates fans a good bit is whenever there's all these glaring issues 
And it seems like everyone you talk to is sort of tiptoeing around the issue. That certainly wasn't the case when Levi stepped to the mic. And so I kind of, uh, I, I appreciated that. He wasn't afraid to call out the fact that every single time the Cowboys get into a scoring position, they have a holding call or a false start that sets them back and ultimately leads to a turnover on downs or a goal attempt. So I think it was just kind of refreshing, maybe a little bit uh, needed for the Cowboys. I think, the status quo and you know we can talk about them being four and three all we want but the reality of it is they're zero and three in mountain west play and that's all that matters at the end of the day so it's uh i think i'm not gonna you know go overboard and say this is what turns the season around but at least the cowboys are going to try something experiment something new hey it's if you go on a three-game losing streak it's time to experiment it's time to break out the trick plays it's time to do whatever you can to get a jolt they've got it i don't know what they got to do but they have to do something coach bowl doesn't know what they have to do either so i don't feel that dumb coach polisek doesn't feel doesn't know what they have to do so i don't feel dumb either like it's inexplicable you know levi kind of broke it down the best that they just shoot themselves in the foot but it's go time for the offense. If you can't do it with Levi Williams, then, you know, we find out a lot about Levi Williams. We found out enough about Sean Chambers. So if, if they want to rally for anything, this is the weekend to do it, get back on track, keep the record above 500. And honestly, then you start a brand new month that will feel like a whole different season. And they're two Big home games to start that month against Colorado State and ending the season with Hawaii, which hopefully Wyoming as a state does something right and the weather is like around 10 degrees. So that'll be an uncomfortable trip for the for Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, if, if you break it down, and I guess this will kind of transition us into our next topic, is this really feels like a must-win game, you know, not just in terms of bowl eligibility, which if you're going to need to get two wins to become eligible, you got to imagine at this point in the year that San Jose State's going to be one of your easier two wins to get to that point uh, with Hawaii later in the year, maybe being the other. But I think the big thing is that it's such a, I think there's a ton of parody in the Mountain West. And I think that any, I think the Cowboys are capable of beating anyone on any given day but they have to have the offense show up. So I think this is a must win in terms of getting to that bowl eligibility threshold, but also just in terms of what is this season going to be looked back on as, right? Like, is this going to be the season where you had the best start this century and then fell off a cliff? Or is it going to be the season wherever you go through some serious adversity in the middle of the year and then you turn things around and spin that forward into something positive moving forward? So in my opinion, this is really a a must-win game for the Cowboys. Obviously, they have to win out to have a shot at getting – any chance of squeezing their way into that Mountain West uh, title hunt. So it's uh, definitely must win in more ways than one, I have to say. What do you think that we've talked a lot about the quarterback and the offense. What do you think that the rest of the team needs to focus on going into a big game like this is against San Jose State? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, 
one focusing on what you do well. I, I know that fans might not want to hear it, but at the end of the day, the Cowboys are going to need to get that power running game going if they're going to have a chance at winning games. Um, and two, I, I asked Coach Bull about this in the press conference. Didn't necessarily um, say no or yes, but I just asked if you know they'd thought about going more up tempo as far as you know I looked back at the stats and nearly a quarter of their points this season have come in the final three minutes of the first half or the final three minutes of regulation so I mean I, I you know as a fair question and he said as much um, but also didn't necessarily say that they're gonna you know go no huddle up tempo like we're not used to seeing from them so I think that's something to at least take a look at I think Levi's skill set maybe plays into that a little bit, able to throw the ball down the field. That's a big thing is just being able to hit those deep balls. I know it didn't go for a touchdown, but just the fact that they were able to complete a pass to Isaiah Isaiah Nair down the field, it seemed like he'd been open for what should have been five or six touchdowns over this past month. Um, So I, I think it, I think the big thing is just experimenting. You mentioned trick plays. I don't think that'd be something bad to see. We haven't really seen one in a little bit, um, which is whenever you can't really do anything on offense, that's kind of right there in your back pocket. So maybe they break some of those out early. Um, But yeah, it's, I think penalties too. I think, you know, we can talk about a million different things, but at the end of the day, if, you're basically out of habit getting a holding call or false start every time you're knocking on the door of the end zone. You're never going to win a football game. Yeah, I mean, the players have to play better, but the coaches keep saying in the press conferences that they have to coach better. So I, I personally would like to see that better coaching. I would like to see some – I would just like to see a wrinkle of some sort on either side of the ball because – They haven't been forcing turnovers on defense. They've been making nice plays. And honestly, I don't think that giving up 14 points to anybody, anybody other than maybe UConn, which they gave up 22 points to, is uh, an embarrassment on defense. I think that's a pretty solid performance. So I I just – I think that they got to do something. There's got to be some sort of foot on the gas pedal, some sort of – urgency this weekend because these last two home games I haven't seen any urgency I've been down on the sidelines looking at them and these guys are they're just playing football kind of kind of there's no real passion I mean there was some passion when Levi Williams got in the last two times I I'm not sure what has happened with yanking him but I honestly I would just like to see a wrinkle of some sort from the coaching staff. Yeah, and I think that's the one most promising thing, I think, about putting Levi in there, maybe even more so than, you know, what it does for your confidence moving forward as an offense, just the fact that really this is the first sign that we're seeing from the Cowboys offense that they're going to at least try to do something different. So I think that's a really positive sign if you're looking for maybe some better coaching, more success on that side of things. So Maybe that's a step in the right direction. Maybe we'll see something a little bit different. I really, you know, I know it's not what the Cowboys like to do, but correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like they were most efficient whenever they were spread out, kind of moving with a little bit of 
uh, tempo a little bit. It, it just seems like it, it's worth a shot. I'm not saying you have to go five wide and, you know, run the Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury air raid offense. I'm just saying at least kind of like you mentioned, throw a couple of wrinkles in there. I think the thing, and this is kind of my counter to it, and it was Coach Bowles' counter, so I don't know what that says about either of us. But when you're in those two-minute situations at the end of the half or at the end of the game, you're going to see a different kind of defense. The defense is more likely to you know, give up yards. They're playing a little bit of softer coverage. There are maybe a few less people in the box. So I don't know if that – has attributed to their ability to move the ball in those scenarios. But the stats don't lie. The stats say in those situations, Wyoming's offense is at its best this season. So why not give it a try? You know, I'm not watching the film like Coach Bowl and the rest of the coaches, but the numbers say something. Most definitely. Anything, uh, anything else from you on the pokes before we look ahead to San Jose State? Now let's get into the Spartans. All right, let's get after it. I think, you know, first things first, got to talk about the quarterback situation with San Jose State. I know your guy, uh, Nick Starkle, you know, you're a guy that lived in Arkansas and I believe went to Texas A&M for a minute. So you're about as connected to Nick Starkle as you can be. But And I lived in Santa Clara. He's, oh, he's so- just followed me at every stop along the way. I don't know what this guy's doing. Love to see it. But the, uh, you know, looking at him obviously hasn't been out there lately. Nick Nash has been the guy at quarterback for San Jose State. And it's kind of a mixed bag, right? With Nick Nash, it's been really interesting to watch because he doesn't have the, I think, the passing prowess that we've seen from Starkle. But he adds a really interesting wrinkle as far as just his ability to run the ball. You know, last week they skated past uh, UNLV, I think, by seven points. And I think his dual threat abilities were on full display in that one. Just over 200 yards passing, but over 120 yards on the ground. And that's not something you have to account for whenever Nick Starkle's out there. So I think a couple of weeks ago, whenever Starkle went down, and I don't think there's been official word on whether or not he's going to be out there, but Craig Bull said that the Cowboys are preparing under the impression that Nick Nash is going to get the start. So at first, you know, whenever Nick Nash came in, I thought the Spartans were in real trouble. And I mean, the results speak for themselves. You know, you, you beat Hawaii by four get blown out by western michigan barely beat new mexico state drop two in a row blown out by colorado state then play sdsu pretty tough the week after before bouncing back against unlv last week but it's it's definitely something you have to account for i think in the way that the cowboys have had success i mean if you're able to hold jake hayner and the fresno state bulldogs under 100 yards passing i'm not necessarily too worried about what nick starkle's presenting through the air for all the success he had last season but nick nash that's that's a little bit different we saw earlier in the season the very first game against montana state um you know matt mckay up there gave the Cowboys some troubles just with his ability to do it both on the ground and through the air. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler Pomachan at UConn kind of presented a similar situation. So I think just because they don't have their quote unquote star quarterback out there, I don't necessarily think that makes it a better thing for the Cowboys. Yeah. Nick Nash can move. The guy is definitely a threat in the run game. And as you mentioned, UConn, Montana state, you know, both those schools 
have quarterbacks that are part of their run game, and they presented real challenges for Wyoming. I mean, they won those games by a total of five points. And so I, I'll be interested to see, you know, I think you're, you're kind of onto something that Nick Starkle, if he is able to go, might be a better, uh, better fit for Wyoming in their defense. You know, they might have a little bit of an easier time because Starkle is a, eerily similar to Drew Plitt, who's the quarterback at Ball State. And, well, we remember what Wyoming was able to do against Ball State. That's, that's been the high point of the season so far. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the Spartans are a weird team. They, they're playing New Mexico State really tough, and then they're getting blown out by Colorado State. And then they're playing San Diego State really tough. And then they're barely holding on against UNLV. So it's it's really hard to know what, you know, what team's going to show up against Wyoming. And Wyoming's, you know, on a skid. So this could be a close game. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to have a really close game out there on Saturday. I'd probably guess within four points to a touchdown max, definitely within single digits. So... Should be a good one. I was a little bit surprised. I think I saw Wyoming actually opened as a one-point favorite on the road at San Jose State, which was a little bit mind-boggling. But maybe uh, maybe the odds makers have uh, maybe more insight than us. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, that's all I got as far as SJSU goes. Is there anything else you want to add before we close it out for the listeners? On that front, San Jose State is now up to a field goal favorite in California. So, you know, that means that basically be a pick em if we were playing this one in Vegas, like it was 2020 and San Jose state was New Mexico. Um, honestly, I just, I, no matter what happens on Saturday, I would like to see, you know, just a few wrinkles, whether they, they come out on top or, you know, they lose a tough one or they get blown out. I'd just like to see a little bit of something different because what they have been doing for the first seven games, it's got them four wins, but it has also brought them a three-game losing streak in the conference when you're supposed to be the most prepared, especially the bye week headed into that Air Force game. And so I just I would like to see something, anything a little different, whether it's on offense, defense, special teams. I don't care if it's John Hoyland punting and Ralph Fawaz kicking field goals. You know, just something that, you know, we haven't seen before would be nice to see. Couldn't agree more. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Josh Criswell. He's David Graff. You've been listening to Preview in the Pokes. Make sure to download, listen, and subscribe to Preview in the Pokes and the YO Sports Podcast. Also, go to yosports.net for all things Cowboys football. We'll talk to you next time. Rise of the brand.